novella A Christmas Carol was set in England in 1843. The story takes place during the Victorian era. The author Charles Dickens combines a description of hardship faced by the poor with a heart-rendering sentimental celebration of the Christmas season. Dickens explores many social issues of the time due to his concern of the harsh plight of the lower and working classes, the welfare of the poor and needy, the alleged indifference of the upper class to those less fortunate and the importance of the home and family. In A Christmas Carol, Dickens uses key events, memories and characters to explore the social issues of the time. The novella begins on a cold, bleak, foggy Christmas Eve in London. We meet a mean, solitary, miserable Scrooge as he works meticulously in his counting house. We learn very early on that his business partner, Jacob Marley, has died seven years previous. Scrooge is not alone in his office. He is accompanied by his poor, diminutive clerk, Bob Cratchit. Scrooge is very harsh to Bob and only allows him one piece of coal to keep him warm in the winter's biting weather. Scrooge is then disturbed by a ruddy-faced, jolly young man who bursts into the office offering holiday greetings and exclaiming in a cheerful voice, Merry Christmas. The ruddy and handsome man was Scrooge's nephew, Fred. Fred arrives to invite Scrooge for Christmas dinner. However, Scrooge refuses and states, Keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine. The Victorians transformed the idea of Christmas and so Scrooge still holds a very old view on Christmas and does not want to celebrate. When Fred leaves, two portly gentlemen arrive. Scrooge is very short and blunt with the gentlemen. They ask Scrooge to donate to the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Scrooge demands to know whether the union workhouses are still in operation and if the treadmill and the poor law are still in full vigour. When asked what they shall put him down for, Scrooge replies with nothing, as he refuses to help those that don't help themselves. Scrooge claims he can't afford to make idle people merry, as he shares the typical view of many rich people of the time. The portly gentlemen claim that many people would rather die than go to the establishment Scrooge had previously mentioned. Scrooge replies with the ever-famous quotation, If they would rather die they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. The portly gentlemen leave once it becomes quite clear that it would be useless to pursue their point. When it comes to shutting up the counting house, Scrooge says to Bob Cratchit, you'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose. Bob wants Christmas Day off to spend with his family and Scrooge reluctantly allows this but warns Bob to be here all the earlier next morning, to which he promises. Once returning home, Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, not a knocker, but Marley's face. As Scrooge looks fixedly on this phenomenon, it was a knocker again. Scrooge was not startled by this. He walked in and lit his candle. When settled in his chair, he heard bells and a clanking noise deep down below. He did remember that ghosts and haunted houses were described as dragging chains. Suddenly, the cellar door flew open with a booming sound. Scrooge is then faced with Marley, in his pigtail, usual waistcoat, tights and boots, and with a chain clasped around his middle, made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, 
ledgers, deeds and heavy purses. Scrooge questions his sight now, whether he could really see Marley or whether it was an undigested bit of beef or a blot of mustard. Scrooge says trembling, you are fettered, which means tied or chained. Marley replies with, I wear the chains I forged in life. Marley has no comfort to give to Scrooge. Instead, he warns Scrooge that he has a chance and hope of escaping the same fate as him. He tells Scrooge how he will be visited by three spirits, who will give Scrooge the chance and hope of escaping the same fate as him. On leaving Scrooge, Marley exits through the window and is joined in the sky by numerous other phantoms. Every one of them wearing chains, just like Marley's ghost. Scrooge closes the window and examines the door in which Marley entered. In the lateness of the hour, Scrooge went straight to bed and fell asleep instantly. At the beginning of stave two, Scrooge wakes up in complete darkness. Marley had previously warned him to expect the first spirit when the bell tolls one. At one, light flashed up in the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn. On starting up, Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who had drew them. The first spirit was a strange figure, like a child, with a bright clear jet of light springing from the crown of its head. Its voice was soft and gentle, as it tells Scrooge that it is the ghost of Christmas past, most specifically the ghost of Scrooge's past. With a touch of the spirit's hand, Scrooge is transported. The first place the spirit takes Scrooge, he claims, I was bred in this place, I was a boy here. At this point, Scrooge's lip appears to tremble and a tear is seen upon his cheek. They walk along the road together where Scrooge remembers every scene from gates to posts to trees. They arrive at a deserted school where a young Scrooge is seen as a solitary child neglected by his friends. Scrooge recalls this and sobs. He thinks back rather fondly of his time at school and particularly of the books that he read. The ghost takes Scrooge on a depressing tour of more Christmases of the past as the boy in the schoolhouse grows older until a little girl, Scrooge's sister Fan, runs into the room addressing him as her dear brother. She announces that she has come to take Scrooge home as father is much kinder than he used to be and has given permission for Scrooge to return to the family home. The young Scrooge is delighted to see his sister and embraces her joyfully. It is at this point that Scrooge, we see now, regretfully tells the ghost that Fan has since died and is the mother of his nephew, Fred. Scrooge's love and admiration for his sister is shown. He exclaims, you are quite the woman, little Fan. Shortly after, Fan is described as a delicate creature with a large heart, which does allude to the close relationship that Scrooge had with his sister. The ghost of Christmas past then takes Scrooge to a certain warehouse door and asks if Scrooge knew it. Scrooge did know it as he was an apprentice there for an old gentleman, Fezziwig. They have a Christmas party where there is lots of dancing and celebrating. Scrooge watches the scene in a frenzy of excitement. The ghost of Christmas past makes a comment that it is a small thing to be grateful about and Scrooge answers that Fezziwig's effect on his happiness was huge. The ghost then notices a change in Scrooge's mood and Scrooge says he wishes he could see his clerk, Bob. The ghost of Christmas past announces that he is running out of time and the vision changes again. This is where we meet Belle. 
she is seen weeping. Belle believes she has been displaced by money, Scrooge's golden idol. She says the hope of being beyond poverty has taken over all his other ambitions. Belle says they were young, poor and content when they got engaged. She is grateful to know his feelings so that she can release him from the engagement. Scrooge claims he has not asked for release, but the girl tells him that his changed nature has asked for relief without words. She says goodbye and wishes his new self luck in the life of profit he has chosen. Hearing this conversation torments Scrooge, but the ghost has one more vision for him. The new setting is a cosy room with the same girl. Belle, now a mother with lots of children. She is happy and laughs with her family. Scrooge looks with envy at how the young boys play with their sisters, without getting punished. He wishes he could have the carelessness of childhood with the wisdom that he brings to the scene now. Then there is a knock at the door and Belle's husband enters with his arms full of Christmas presents. The room is engulfed with happiness and they all laugh and enjoy their time together. Belle's husband sits down with her and remembers meeting an old friend of hers earlier. Belle guesses that it was Mr Scrooge. Her husband tells her how he seemed quite alone in the world. At hearing this, Scrooge demands to be removed from the scene. He tries to seize the ghost of Christmas past. The ghost puts up little resistance, so he takes the extinguisher cap and tries to push it onto the ghost's head. But he becomes drowsy as he does so and falls asleep. Scrooge then wakes up the following night, ready to be greeted by the second of the three spirits. He does not wish to be taken by surprise this time and opens the curtains in preparation for the ghost. As the clock strikes one, Scrooge is still alone and becomes very nervous. Soon, a reddish light appears. At first, the light scares Scrooge more than any ghost could have, but he realises that the light must be coming from elsewhere. It was coming from the adjoining room. As he approaches it, a strange voice calls him by his name and bade him enter. His room had undergone a surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. Amidst it all sat the second spirit, a jolly giant glorious to see. Scrooge touches the giant's robe and is transported again through city streets. The ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge to the outskirts of the city. The ghost has a magic ability to fit into any space despite his giant size. Then they enter Bob Cratchit's tiny lodgings. They see Mrs Cratchit in an old dress but making it merry with ribbons and the many Cratchit children all helping to ready the house for Christmas dinner. Martha, Bob's daughter, arrives home later she has been working and has brought the goose. Mrs Cratchit is ecstatic to see her. Bob Cratchit arrives carrying his youngest child, Tiny Tim. Bob tells his wife how much better their son's health is becoming. Tiny Tim is described as a cripple and we know he is not expected to live for very long. The Cratchits sit down to have dinner. Although there was not much food, they were grateful to spend the day together. After dinner, they have hot drinks by the fire and toast to Christmas. Tiny Tim sits next to his father and says heartily, God bless us everyone. Scrooge eagerly asks the ghost of Christmas presents, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. The spirit responds, I see a vacant seat if these shadows remain unaltered by the future. 
the child will die. He condemns Scrooge, saying that he is less fit to live than poor children like Tim. Scrooge is shocked by the news and exclaims, Oh, no kind spirit, say you will be spurred. However, in response, the ghost repeats Scrooge's own words to him. If he'd be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Following this, Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words. Towards the end of this scene, Bob Cratchit raises a toast to Scrooge as the founder of the feast. Mrs Cratchit is not really impressed by this, but drinks the toast for her husband's sake. After the thought of Scrooge dies away, the family is left even merrier. As Scrooge and the spirit wander on through the city, they see wonderful sights like the Cratchits all over town. They are suddenly transported to a far different place, a deserted moor where the miners live. The ghost shows Scrooge where they sit beside a fire, singing a song with their women and children. Next, the ghost takes Scrooge even further afield, over the sea, wild and unfriendly, and finds two men celebrating Christmas in a lighthouse on a remote shore. Then, even further into the wild, they find the crew of a ship humming together a Christmas tune. Scrooge is astonished at the kindness he finds in such a lonely place. Scrooge is interrupted in his vision by a hearty laugh. All of a sudden, they are transported to Fred, Scrooge's nephew's house. As Scrooge listens to the party, laughing together, he realises that they are laughing at him. They are laughing at his saying, humbug to Christmas. Fred's wife believes that he should be ashamed of himself. Fred says that he doesn't get anything from his wealth anyway because he doesn't do good with it. Fred feels sorry for his uncle because he is missing many pleasant moments with his family and he decides to keep pestering him every year in the hope that one day he'll get to him. Scrooge observes Fred and others playing games. They play the yes and no game. Fred thinks of something and the players have to guess what it is. After a barrage of questions, they find out that the thing is an animal who grunts and growls. It turns out to be Uncle Scrooge. They laugh hysterically and say a toast to Scrooge for giving them so much fun. Scrooge is being so enlivened by the evening that he is very sorry to go. But the spirit tells him they must journey on and they visit many more Christmas scenes with the same happy endings. As they travel, the ghost of Christmas present is noticeably ageing. He says his brief life will be over at midnight. As the bells chime and time passes, Scrooge notices something strange in the ghost's robe. Two children creep out. They are miserable animals, so sick and shriveled that they look old instead of young. Scrooge asks the spirits if they are his. The spirit replies, They are man's. They represent want and ignorance. He tells Scrooge to beware both, but mostly the boy ignorance, who does represent people like Scrooge within society. Scrooge asks if there is no refuge for these poor children, but the spirit answers with Scrooge's own words, are there no workhouses? As the bell strikes midnight, the ghost disappears, and Scrooge sees another ghost moving towards him, a solemn phantom. The ghost of Christmas yet to come slowly, gravely, silently approached. Scrooge trembled with fear as he feared the silent shape the most. The ghost does not speak but beckons mysteriously with his hand. 
Though he did fear the ghost, Scrooge urges it desperately to show him what he has for him. Scrooge follows the ghost of Christmas yet to come, and suddenly they are in the midst of a street, busy with trade. Scrooge stops by a group of businessmen and hears them gossip about the long-awaited death of one of a local man, whom they say is bound to have a cheap funeral. One gentleman comments that he will only go to the funeral if lunch is provided. They move on to another group of men that Scrooge recognises. This time, the men mention the death of a mysterious man and they don't seem to care at all. Scrooge is confused as he understands he is listening to the comments for a reason. However, he can't quite figure out whose death they are discussing. The ghost leads him to an infamous part of town, full of misery and crime. Here, they see an old man who is joined by three others and the group start to laugh together. The old man Joe invites his friends into the parlour and the three men offer to trade him bundles of things they have come into possession following the death of a rich man. They agree that it is no sin to take these things without permission since their owner was so unkind in life. Scrooge is appalled by their behaviour and attitudes. The room changes and there is a bed with a body covered in a sheet. The ghost of Christmas yet to come points ominously towards the head but Scrooge finds he can't make himself remove the cloth. Scrooge considers this awful prospect of dying alone. Scrooge assures the ghost that he is well aware of the lesson he is being taught and begs to leave but the spirit will not rest and seems to be stirring at him. Scrooge begs him to show one person who is sorry for this man's death. They are instantly transported to the home of a young family. The husband comes home, burdened by bad news, but he says there is hope. He tells his wife that the man they are indebted to is dead. His wife can't help but be thankful. They don't know who will take over their debt, but it's very unlikely that he should be such an incredible miser as the last. The house becomes a little lighter and happier for the news of the man's passing. Scrooge wishes to see some scrap of tenderness, to dim even slightly the terrible image of the body dying alone in the house. They are transported to Bob Cratchit's home, where the Cratchit's family are unusually quiet. Whilst waiting for Bob Cratchit to come home, Scrooge realises that Tiny Tim has died. Despite his devastation, Bob is still pleasant with his family. He has been to see the place where Tiny Tim will be buried. Bob Cratchit then tells his family of the beautiful kindness of Scrooge's nephew, whom he met in the street. Fred noticed that Bob looked sad and gave him sincere condolences. Bob admits that they will never forget the time they had together with Tiny Tim. Scrooge becomes aware that the ghost of Christmas yet to come is about to leave him. He wants to know finally who the dead man is. The ghost takes Scrooge to his office, but they seem to be passing through it. Scrooge asks to see himself inside his house, but the spirit points in another direction. He joins the spirit at the iron gate of a churchyard, a wretched, lifeless place. The spirit continues to point at one particular grave. Scrooge desperately asks whether the things the spirit has shown him can be changed, or whether they are set in stone, but the spirit only points with more determination. Scrooge goes to the gravestone indicated by the spirit. It is neglected and Scrooge's own name is inscribed on it. 
Scrooge cries out at the realisation he is the dead man on the bed, alone and unloved. Scrooge is down on his knees before the spirit and begs him to reassure him that an altered life will produce an altered fate. He vows to honour Christmas and the lessons that he has learnt on this journey. He catches the spirit's hand and squeezes and the spirit floats down into the ground and disappears. Scrooge wakes and finds himself in his own room. He is grateful to see everything and to know that he has time ahead of him to make things right. He repeats, I live in the past and present and the future, while scrambling out of bed. He laughs like he hasn't laughed in years and declares that he is as happy as an angel. Scrooge hears the church bells chiming and runs to the window and sees a beautifully clear cold day. He shouts to a young boy in the street and asks him what day it is. The boy tells Scrooge that it is Christmas Day. Scrooge is ecstatic that he hasn't missed it and then asks the boy to go to the nearby shop with the huge prize turkey in the window. He offers the young boy half a crown to buy the turkey and return quickly. Scrooge sends the turkey to Bob Cratchit's house for the family to enjoy. Scrooge goes out into the street and greets everyone warmly, unlike his former self. Some people even greet him back. Scrooge meets the portly gentleman from earlier in the novella. Scrooge gives a donation to the men to help the poor and needy. Much to the surprise of the gentleman who cried, Are you serious? Scrooge insists, If you please, not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Scrooge then goes to his nephew's house and summons up the courage to knock on the door. He is met by the housekeeper and asks kindly to come upstairs. He stuns everyone when he arrives and announces he has come to dinner. But they very quickly make him feel at home and he enjoys an evening that is just as wonderful as it was in the spirit's vision. The next day, Scrooge goes to his office in the hope of catching Bob Cratchit coming into work late. Bob did arrive late and Scrooge pretends to be his old self and growls at him. He starts as if to punish Cratchit but then tells him that he is about to raise his salary much to the surprise of Bob. Scrooge laughs with joy and promises to help Cratchit and his family. The narrator ends the novella by saying Scrooge does all that he promises to do, and more. Tiny Tim does not die, and Scrooge becomes like a second father to him, supporting the Cratchit family. Scrooge becomes known for his Christmas spirit, and the story ends with Tiny Tim's words, God bless us, everyone.